here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hey everyone, this is Jefferson Richardson from Kentucky Kingdom. You are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Don Helbig, area manager of digital marketing from Kings Island, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Courtney Weber, Director of Communications at Carowinds, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is Jeff Tucker from Knott's Berry Farm, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and let us both your Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can dry up all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Kim Dykes. Hello, everyone. This is Kim with the Coaster Challenge podcast. And today I am so excited to speak with an incredible guest. I'm very eager to sit down and talk with the Director of Communications and fourth generation owner of Holiday World, the one and only Leah Cook. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me and welcome to the podcast, Leah. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm so glad to be on the podcast. Well, I'm so glad we're finally getting the <laughs> opportunity to connect yes. to each other, <laughs> at least camera to camera. Tomorrow will be face to face. Absolutely. Now, I've seen you in passing in the past two years of Hollywood Nights but we've never really gotten the chance to sit down and talk. Would you please tell our listeners and me some things about yourself and your history with Holiday World? Sure. Um, well, um, I'm, my great-grandfather started the park, so I kind of grew up um, at Holiday World. Um, by the time I was 14, um, there was not a choice in the matter. I also didn't really look for other options, but I started working um, at Jungle Jake's uh, food stand in the park. Um, and I've really, I've been working here every summer ever since. Um, I worked in attractions. I switched a lot of departments because I knew I wanted to be uh, more involved in the park in general. But um, yeah, I went to college in uh, 2009, graduated with a degree in journalism. Um, of course, my, my dad died in 2010, and that really helped me kind of shape where I was going. Um, it helped me understand better that my place was going to be here and that I needed to be coming back after school. Um, but yeah, I took on a full-time job when I graduated and um, left and got my MBA for a couple of years and came back. And I've been here ever since as director of communications. Well, that certainly sounds like you've never actually worked a day in the holiday <laughs> world. Sounds like you've got it's a, true, a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> true passion for what you do. Absolutely. That's incredible. Okay. So now as we transition into our questions, I don't know if you can see it on camera. I'm actually wearing my time traveler shirt today. We're nice. going to do some time traveling back in time a little bit and we're going right. to go all the way back to the beginning for you because as you know we're a coaster centered podcast and we talk a lot about coasters the first Absolutely. question I would like to ask you is what is the first coaster you remember riding um that would be the reason and my memory is very vague because that opened in 1995 and that was the year I turned five. So um, the, the memory's a little vague, but um, yeah, the Raven. I remember riding the Raven for the first time. I don't think that was until I was in my 40s. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Become an enthusiast yep. until 2019. But um, <laughs> Definitely one of the things about the Raven and the just the overall customer service and the environment in ho the holiday world is it's a place I want to keep coming back to. 
every single year. And I'm and the Raven, I'll tell you, last year with the retrack and stuff that was done on the leg turn, wow. It's in great shape. It really is because it, I remember a couple of years ago, it got not it was probably two or three years ago, it got to the point where I almost couldn't ride it because it was giving me migraines. Mm-hmm. And last year, yeah. I couldn't get enough of it. Yep. <laughs> it was incredible. You all have done a fantastic job. Okay. Thank you. So you're welcome. Looking back on your history of riding coasters, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I was told everything was scary. And I hear that word, you know, a lot in parks when I hear you know people talking about rides, how scary is it? Is it going to be scary? What's the one coaster thinking back through your history of riding that has scared you the most? All right. Um, the Raven was uh, also that story for me. Um, so if, you know, our longtime fans recall, um, when it first opened, we had a single lap bar, no seat dividers, um, and no seat belt. Uh, or maybe it was a, a seat belt that went across both people. Um, but as a very tiny four-year-old, a tall four-year-old, but still Mm -hmm. a four-year-old, I rode for the first time with my dad. And this is, I don't specifically remember the ride itself, but um, I've been told that I kind of shrank down in my seat and tried to like slide out from under the the thing. My dad had to kind of grab onto me and hold onto me and he was scared as all get out. So um, also fun fact, that's the reason that the height limit on the Raven is 48 inches is because um, it was lower when we did the test ride. And he, after that experience went, nope, they're going to need to be talking. So (laughs) I was terrified of coasters for a long time after that. (laughs) That is something I never knew. (laughs) uh, Yeah. That reminds me of a question that my kids were arguing about. It was, and we look back and laugh about it now because, you know, siblings like to argue. (laughs) We were at Kings Island going up the uh, lift hill on Orion. And my kids are behind me arguing like cats and dogs as to whether or not Voyage ever used to have buzz bars. And... (laughs) I finally had to turn around all the way up that hill and fuss at them. And like, you're going to be grounded if you don't stop. But you, then we, we all started laughing. It's like, all, I looked around. Everybody else on that train was holding on for dear life. And we're just up there. You know, debating yeah debating and Chit-chat. fussing yep. and, I, and I and I finally right in the middle of fussing my kids busted out laughing and I said how many other people are sitting 300 feet up in the air <laughs> arguing over whether or not Voyage has bud bars fast and we all just started laughing so yeah <laughs> that's awesome we're talking about the restraints being yeah. different I remember my three scariest ones were, like I said, of course, that first ride on Diamondback mm-hmm. and then um, Top Thrill Dragster, of course, and Fury 325. And really the only other thing I've had to do to, to overcome, and that this was more of, I had to get revenge on myself for this. It was back in my 20s in college. I guess I had never ridden anything at that point bigger than Vortex. And I decided it would just be a great idea up at King's Island to hop on Drop Tower. You know, not used to the forces at all. Yeah, I just got on it. I walked off sideways and had to go sit down for 30 minutes. (laughs) After that ride, I didn't get back on Drop Tower until it was spring of last year i'm like that my son and i both i'm like this is it i've had enough i'm gonna do this again and mm-hmm. i'm gonna enjoy it uh, we actually did falcon's Fury down at bush cars tampa back over this past spring break so that's gotten a lot better yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah I, I remember that fear that fear very well mm-hmm. okay so when you were approaching the station Raven for the first Mm -hmm. time and you were scared how are you feeling 
Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I know. So fast forward a few days, we had our, our media preview for the Raven. And that day, I remember a little more clearly. Um, I was supposed to ride the Raven again, this time, you know, on camera. And I got in the seat and I was trying to get myself over that fear um, because I had already been on it, you know, the one time wasn't feeling great about it. And um, later in life, I've been diagnosed with uh, anxiety, but um, at the time, you know, didn't know, I didn't have words for that. So, um, but I definitely, you know, it started to sink in, started to get to me. And um, before we had to hold up for one last camera crew. And uh, in that time, I chickened out and I said, no, you're going to have to get me off the ride. I had to go uh, wait outside because I, uh, I couldn't do it. Um, so I definitely have had that experience of, uh, that fear just gets to be too big and you can't manage it anymore and you have to walk away. That rings so true (laughs) because one of the things I've found, not just with myself, but with, you know, my own children and watching other people with children is you do it when you're ready. I remember there was a time I had to speak up and be assertive because I just couldn't stand back and watch it anymore. This was after, you know, we had gotten involved with Coaster Kids and going to meetups, you know, and seeing people, you know, encourage, not force, you know, their friends and whatever to overcome fear. I was standing in line for a mountain coaster down in Gatlinburg, and there was this woman up there with this very young child. I mean, maybe five years old at a stretch. The kid was absolutely petrified and the woman was shaming and calling the kid names and doing all kinds of things and trying to force this poor little girl on this ride and I finally just walked over there I was respectful but I was also assertive and I just let her know I'm like look I'm an enthusiast. I told her how many coasters I've ridden, you know, kind of the experience I've had. And I'm telling you right now, if you make her do this, the only thing you're going to do is make her not want to ever ride a coaster again. Mm-hmm. It's, tra- it's traumatic. So mm-hmm. we had to have, you know, that conversation. The woman wasn't very happy with what I had to say. Child didn't mm-hmm. ride. But yeah. I, I just could not sit back and watch that we have a very uh a pretty strict policy that if a child is crying or is you know saying i don't want to ride we're not pressing the dispatch button um well that's we have parents who get angry with us but um i mean the way we look at kids who are panicking on a ride are often also a safety risk because they start throwing limbs they start you know they try to get out of their restraints and so it's we just won't start the ride unless they're they calm down or you know well, decide to hop off. Yep. It's very reassuring to know that your park has that <laughs> policy because I couldn't I stood back and I was just watching and I couldn't believe they were gonna mm-hmm. if this woman could get this child on there, they were actually gonna let the ride go. I, yep, I can't no. I can't we're... stand back and watch this and not say something and try to help. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, gladly that one went my way. <laughs> okay, so one of the things I've learned though too is no risks, no rewards. Sometimes you just have to put yourself out there and try. Mm-hmm. And, hope for the and best. a lot of times, you know, when I was a ride operator for a while and kind of the way I would work it was just, you know, try to encourage them first and just say, hey, what are you scared of? Is there something I can tell you, you know? That hill's really tall. There's no other hill that's that tall. Once you get over that, it, they all get shorter from there, you know, and things like that. Generally, you can calm them down enough that they can ride. But um, yeah, in the the case of a child who just absolutely doesn't want to do it, we're not we're not sending them. That actually happened with um, my daughter down at uh, Dollywood. She got down there and was getting ready to get on Tennessee Tornado and just absolutely was crying and couldn't, I can't do it. And um, I'm like, look, you've come four hours. You were so excited and now you won't write while the write off. 
the ride on because she's what happened was she saw the sign that said it went 70 miles an hour i've never been on anything that's gone that fast well ride off told her she would slow it down (laughs) and she wrote it thinking it slowed down yeah and she loved it and then when she got off the ride off said guess what (laughs) i can't slow it down do it yeah so, you know, she That's was awesome. real proud of herself after that. Yeah. That was a very positive way to handle it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> so when you got off the Raven for the first time, how did you feel when you got off the coaster? Um, I mean, that day, I mean, I think I felt like jello. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I definitely um, felt very definite in the the thought of I would not be doing that again. Uh, my my parents took a long time and uh, kept trying to encourage me. Um, being a, a theme park family, we traveled often to other theme parks as our vacation. Um, and so there were a lot of opportunities to ride a lot of coasters that I said, absolutely not, I won't be doing that. Um, luckily, I had a younger brother who was shorter than me. So uh, I got to sit and wait with him. Uh, I wasn't totally alone, but. So you said absolutely not, never again. Do you remember how long it really, it was after that before you started writing again? I think it was about five years. So I think it was around the time the legend was built. I can't remember if I rode the legend first or my family took a trip to Islands of Adventure. And I, my first steel coaster I know for sure was uh, Dueling Dragons. Okay. Uh, I believe the ice side, um, but it took, I, I'm pretty sure it was five years and I don't remember if it was the legend that broke me out of it or if it was fire and, or ice on Dueling Dragons. <laughs> Dueling Dragons is not one I read. Uh, it was such a good, well, both were such good coasters. Which park was that at? Islands of Adventure. Okay. I was just down to Islands of Adventure in October and again over spring break. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I missed that one. So I took it down a couple of years ago for Hagrid, okay. which is also a great ride. But oh, absolutely, I love. I miss those B and M's. Great family <laughs> coaster. So looking back on that first ride in Raven and waiting five mm-hmm. years to start riding again, would you say it impacted your life in any way after riding the coaster? I do think that, um, you know, there was a little bit of shame and sitting out that I felt um, when I went to all those different parks. And so it felt good to be able to feel like I could hop on any coaster. I could kind of conquer anything um, and take those on again because, um, it, yeah, like I said, it felt very lonely to sit out there, even if it was with my shorter brother. Um, but to, to feel like someone's experiencing something exciting and I just couldn't do it. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great feeling. It took me, you know, a couple of years to really see the impacts that conquering fear has mm-hmm. had on me. <laughs> it, you know, it's one of those things you don't really realize it's happening until it happens. Yeah. But, um, you know, conquering fear is all in your mind. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've been able to lose weight is, you know, get control of the mind. You're exactly. not hungry, you're stressed, <laughs> or you're tired. So Bored for me. <laughs> yes. Here's what you need to do instead. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Exercise or go get on a roller coaster, take a nap. Do something, but you're not going to sit down and eat everything in the house. Yep. And, you know, it's just brought out this whole, you know, a, a confidence. I feel like I can talk to people, I, you know, mm-hmm. from being bullied and stuff in, the, in school mm-hmm. all the way through K through 12. I mean, if they didn't find one thing to make fun of, they found another thing to make fun of. And, you know, that's one of the reasons, too, I was excited to get on the podcast. I'm like, I can talk to people and finally work on public speaking because it's Mm -hmm. scared me to death. Every time you get in front of a group, I feel like it's 
you know, it's, it's amazing. I'm 46 years old, but my brain goes back to being laughed at and made fun of. And I'm like, you know, I'm now to the point where these are not the same people. <laughs> this is in your mind. And you are now going to face and overcome this fear as well. Yeah. So thankfully the podcast is helping significantly with awesome. that. So, you know, looking back on our coasters, we've all had our crazy moments. You know, it can be in terms of the ride, in terms of experience, or in terms of people you were with. What would you say has been your craziest moment on a coaster? Um, I think this was just like me being crazy. Um, so we had, when the voyage first opened, um, we did a, our marketing shoot, right? So we had videos and uh, photos to produce. Um, so myself and a bunch of friends from high school um, all went and did this shoot. And um, I think I wrote it 20 something times in a row. Um, and the voyage is not a small coaster and that is not a small feat. Um, but I wrote it something like 20 times in a row, um, hopped off because we had a little break and they had been serving pizza in the station and I hadn't eaten yet. So I grabbed a slice of pizza and was finishing chewing it as uh, they checked my restraint. And uh, I went back up the lift hill again for time, I think 27 or something like that. Um, so I went from uh, being totally terrified to writing it nonstop. <laughs> That's incredible. And I'll, I'll tell you, Voyage, <laughs> you know, some of my craziest moments have been on Voyage. I don't know if you can see with the background, but I love Voyage so much. I actually have a tattoo of it so, on the yeah. back of my arm. <laughs> Very cool. You know, some of my best, you know, craziest moments are mm -hmm. those night rides on Voyage. They're absolutely second mm -hmm. to none. Yeah. And I mean, the, the memories of the laughter and the experiences with friends and the fact that you can't see your hand in front of your face and your, <laughs> your bottom's not touching the seat. I think the craziest thing I ever did on Voyage, it was back in... Uh, 2020 when we had to wear the mask I kept my mask on I followed the mm -hmm. rules but I decided to see it, it was at Hollywood Nights if I could make the uh, ride darker so I put my sunglasses on and I kept my mouth and nose covered mm -hmm. but I pulled the mask up over my sunglasses while I rode <laughs> and that was probably the craziest thing I've ever done wow. on somehow I made it to the end of the ride <laughs> <laughs> it was in the back row of all places nice and, yeah but I, I couldn't stop laughing <laughs> after I got I tell you <laughs> after those nights I, I have those coasters memorized now uh, oh, yeah. when you do a night ride a few times you, you start to memorize those layouts pretty quickly and, and you know that's so important for me too is mm -hmm. when I know the layout knowing how to move with the ride mm-hmm that way you're not getting thrown around you're not you know mm -hmm. people say well that hurts because you've got to know how to ride the ride i always tell people too it feels counterintuitive but if you can relax your muscles while you're on the coaster it's so much more comfortable the, the discomfort oftentimes comes from you trying to fight the direction of the coaster absolutely <laughs> go like, with the flow and go i with could it. teach anybody anything one thing about riding coasters they just relax trust it have some fun absolutely it's not gonna hurt nearly as bad yeah that's what it's all about yeah <laughs> and what I, I remember when I and we can talk about relaxing I remember mm -hmm. when I, I was like I said pre-programmed as a kid to be scared mm -hmm. for years I would write everything with my eyes shut and I would have <laughs> oh forever I don't even remember when I first opened my eyes mm -hmm. and uh I would have that knot in my throat and that, you know, my stomach, I would just feel like I was going to throw up. And it was because I was so tense and so tight. <laughs> and I remember the very first time I opened my eyes, finally, I don't know how many rides it took on Vortex. <laughs> I finally opened my eyes and I'm like, wait a minute, what have I been missing? <laughs> There's this a lot of pretty views from posters. Yeah. <laughs> It was a foreign concept to me at that point in time. Yeah. Funny. All right, yeah. 
Okay, so looking back at all of the coasters you've written, what would you say is your favorite coaster overall? Um, I always go with the legend. Um, that was helped me break out of my fear. So it's got a special place in my heart. And um, of course, too, um, my dad built three wooden coasters while he was alive um, and he had three children. And uh, weirdly, the kind of personalities and layouts of the, the coasters seem um, to fit our personalities kind of in birth order. So my older sister matches the Raven very well. The legend is the, uh, the middle child that never got recognized properly for what it was. It never made it to number one on, on any lists, but um, it's such a good ride that, yeah, it's, it's the classic middle child, right? It got the, the middle child treatment. Everyone's favorite is always Raven or Voyage, but, um, but yeah, and this year, especially the, the track work that our coaster uh, team did is truly outstanding. And I dare say to other people, it might be the best co wooden coaster in the park. Oh. It is really great. No, I'm even more excited for tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sorry that. That's fascinating. I never knew the coordination between the number of wooden coasters and the number of kids. Yep. In the Cook family. So thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. I mean, he didn't do that on purpose, but um, yeah, oh. it was just kind of fun that after we passed, we started talking about it. And I'm like, you know what? It's also fun to see that um, kind of he built the park as to kind of fit what our family needed at the time out of the park, if you watch it carefully. Um, 1998 or 99 was when we built Hollow Dogs Fun Town when my sister was 12, I was uh, nine, my brother was, or yeah, sister was 11, maybe I was nine, and my brother was uh, three years younger than me, six. So it was just a place where, you know, you need to get some kids' energy out, and it was mm -hmm. a good spot for that. Um, and so there's all these things that you can see that he started to build more intense coasters when, you know, the voyage was built when I was 16 and he knew that kids were going for more thrills than, mm -hmm. uh, what we had in the park at the time. So it's kind of cool to see that and kind of piece that back together that in a way, whether consciously or not, he was kind of building the park for, for us and for our family as we grew. And, you know, things always work out the mm -hmm. way they're supposed to. Even when you exactly. don't realize it's happening, it happens. Yep. You know, yep. looking back at Legend, you're talking about how that's, you know, your favorite coaster. I, it's one of those two. It ties back to our conversation a few minutes ago with our previous question. <laughs> when I first rode Legend, <clears throat> I hated it. It just, it was so <laughs> aggressive. But that was back before I learned how to ride the ride. <laughs> and once... You know, I kind of transitioned into an enthusiast and all this other stuff. And I kept hearing all these great things about legend. I'm like, okay, there's got to be something I'm doing wrong. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a couple of years ago, once I really started, like you said, learning layout. Mm -hmm. And I figured out not to sit stiff as a board and hang on mm -hmm. for dear life. You know, <laughs> put your hands up, relax. Yep. And move with the ride. It's a ton of fun. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's not a lot of coasters out there where you can get laterals like that. I no. mean, it's truly one of a kind. The laterals on that thing are second to none. They are <laughs> incredible. You just have to learn. And, you know, when I first started riding it, I didn't realize the thing is supposed to throw you from side to side like this. Yes. That's the point. Yeah. That's the whole idea behind yep. this ride. And once you start grasping the concept of it, yep. knowing what the forces are to expect and mm -hmm. learning the layout, how to move with it, it's 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 just a beautiful creation. Mm -hmm. I absolutely Thank love budget. Yeah. Okay, so we spent a few minutes talking about your favorite coaster. We all have at least most of us, I wouldn't say all have that, that coaster or more than one coaster. I call them a one and done that mm -hmm. I would never ride again. What would you say is your least favorite coaster? If you have one? Um, yeah, I was probably, I don't like to knock other parks coasters. So instead I'm going to say um, maybe the coaster that I feel the most rivalry towards 
Okay. Um, and that's the beast just because we have the voyage in our portfolio and everyone always compares the beast and the voyage rides at night. So, um, I always feel a little competitive with them. And, uh, I would also say the same thing about Boulder dash, uh, out Lake compounds. Um, that's one that I rode and I just went, I don't understand how this thing is operating. It's so fast. Um, Mm -hmm. but I loved it. And I was like, okay. you know, it kept knocking us out on number one and I wrote it and I went, okay, I, I get it. I I still think Voyage has some stuff on it, but, um, but I respect it, Mm -hmm. but I also just feel a little, little animosity towards it because darn it, that's a, it's a nicely built, uh, coaster. I've not ridden Bola Dash, (laughs) but I've ridden Beast a number of times, including Mm -hmm. to retract this year. And, you know, honestly, what I think different bodies prefer different forces. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. I want airtime. Mm-hmm. I want to be out of the seat as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And Voyage does that for me. But I mm-hmm. do, like you said, very much respect the cool mm-hmm. night experience on Beast. You know, just the mm-hmm. whole environment. But for me, but for me, when I'm looking at, it's a joke amongst me and my friends, what we call the goat coasters, the greatest of all Mm -hmm. time, you know, for me, it really comes down to, I don't look at theming. I don't look at the experience or the nostalgia. I look at the ride, Mm -hmm. the ride experience. That's me. Mm-hmm. you know there are That's... other people that take oh well it's nostalgic I've got all these memories that makes it my number one other people you know they're you know theming gurus and that sort of thing mm-hmm. that will draw them more to that ride with mm-hmm. me my brain I strip everything down to the complete ride experience yeah so you know uh, yeah I will say too like my my personal favorite in the coasters I think I just rode so many once I started riding coasters again because my family took so many trips that if I had to pick a favorite outside of holiday world it would probably be time traveler just because my favorite element in a coaster is surprising me um just kind of when I expect something to come and then something else happens um the the velocicoaster um element there where it takes you upside down and holds you there I, I love that element but I, I love those moments in coasters you just named two of my favorites and they're actually over here I don't know the camera on the other arm I've got time traveler here oh nice that's yep. my uh that's my number seven I've got nice. velocicoaster it's hard to see with your background oh, cool. down here that's my that's my number two to iron cool. and boy just my number three it used to be my number nice. one it used to be my number one <laughs> until I rode um, Iron Gwazi and Velocicoaster. Nice. Yeah. But it's it's so yeah, that, that time traveler drop out of the station. There's not much like it, is there? No, that's incredible. Row seven's my favorite. Nice. <laughs> my visit to Silver Dollar City, it can't be the last one. At some point, I have to go back there. <laughs> but at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, you know, experience new parks and go places I haven't been yep. and with rising cost of gas and that sort of thing yep Yep. okay (laughs) it's a home park year (laughs) one year at a time yep we'll we'll do what we can and there's always next year two two more okay so you talked a little bit about your history (laughs) with holiday world and your family and your siblings and your parents and kind of you know the traditions that were passed down what was the experience like for you growing up with your family at, at Holiday World as a kid? Um, you know, to me, it kind of felt normal. I took me a long time to realize that other kids didn't go to uh, get to go to their parents' work and have fun. Um, <laughs> That's pretty but, good. Um, um, I'm trying to think of some of the specific stuff that was really cool. Um, one year for our birthdays when we were probably around six-ish. Um, we got to have a ski ball birthday party and uh, it was when the park was closed and my parents allowed us to walk on the lanes for ski ball, which was about the coolest thing. So we could go put the balls directly in the, 
many people oh, can say so they've gotten to do I, that? <laughs> and not been yelled at for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there are some cool things like that, but, um, yeah, I think the, the most fun we had though, was kind of telling, trying to tell our dad what to build next. We would try to, to influence what was coming up. I tried really hard to get him to build me, um, a steel coaster. When I graduated high school, I told him, uh, your graduation present to me needs to be a proper steel coaster. I told him a couple years in advance, he did not do that, but darn the luck yep <laughs> but the I year after you did that yeah i always say the worst thing people can tell me is no it doesn't hurt to ask oh yeah he had several designs he was looking at and i was like can, can we get that done by the time i graduate high school you think or he's like get straight a's if you do it i promise <laughs> yep <laughs> i was already valedictorian by the time i graduated but well, that's impressive. So you, <laughs> you were helping your family run an amusement park and you were valedictorian. That was, uh, my dad was valedictorian of his class and I decided kind of early on that wow. I was going to set my mind to it and do the same thing. Absolutely. And I beat my dad's GPA by a teeny tiny fraction of a decimal. But Sounds like you and your dad had some of that good, healthy competition going. Oh, absolutely. We did. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to remember there. I mean, he was so smart. Um, I would call him like even in college for help with like my calculus class I was taking. And there was one day that, um, we were working through something and we had to go line by line because we were getting very different answers. And, uh, I, we finally got to the line where we disagreed and I was like, dad, I'm right. (laughs) And, uh, there was no better feeling than, uh, being right at something in math, especially with my dad and in calculus, no less. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that, that was my victory. <laughs> I'm sure that made him proud too. Yeah, we I'm know sure it, did. it did. Yeah, yeah. The bitter, the bittersweet mm-hmm. victory of defeat there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, looking back, you know, on your upbringing in the amusement park, would you say that you've always wanted to do? what you're doing at Holiday World or did you have other plans or think of doing other things with your future when you were younger? Um, So first of all, I'll say that uh, I still plan on uh, moving up in this company and hopefully eventually taking over. So I'm not done growing here yet. Um, But um, when I was a kid, I uh, for a while there wanted to be an astronaut. um, And when I went and got my degree in college, um, I went for journalism. My dad was pretty aggressive about pushing us to something other than theme parks. He didn't want to feel like we were forced into being here. And so in a way, it was almost like we almost felt like we couldn't come back here. Like that was not going to be an option. He was not going to find us a job. He was not going to be making a place for us. Um, We had to make our own way. And, you know, if we eventually wanted to come back, then we'd have that conversation. But um, he really wanted us to go out and do something else. So it was kind of a thing where I, I didn't know where I was necessarily going. I didn't know what exactly I was going to do, but I did know that when I look back, I never really pictured anything that clearly of like where I would live other than Santa Claus, what I would do other than be here and be a part of the park. Um, and yeah, once, once my dad died in 2010, it kind of helped solidify that I wanted to be here and my place was here. Um, And, you know, same for my sister. We both kind of came back and started running it after we graduated college. Um, But yeah, it was, um, I considered going somewhere else after I got my uh, master's degree and uh, kept applying for other jobs that I knew I still wanted to stay in the industry just because there's just, you know, once you've been operating a theme park, it's really hard to... uh, move into something like steel or, you know, Mm -hmm. medical devices or something like that. So I I was like, okay, I can't get myself interested. I can't move over to something like that. So I've got to stay in entertainment and hospitality, but every job I looked at was just kind of one thing. You know, you're an analyst, you're a marketing coordinator, you know, marketing Mm -hmm. manager, whatever. But I'm like, but what if I want to do some of all of those things? Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're, we're a small team here. We do a lot of everything. Um, And so I 
kept looking, but I really, I didn't apply much because none of the job titles interested me. And it took me longer than I'd like to admit to realize it's probably because I want to be here and probably because I want to be doing the little bit of everything I've always been doing. Well, I want to say I love your attitude because I'm very much the same way as a teacher. <laughs> I've been, you know, teacher for 23 years. And, you know, a lot of teachers at my point in the game experience burnout, you know, and that sort oh, of thing. Sure. Yeah. And my attitude is, you know, I'm not done yet. Just mm-hmm. like what you said. And when I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, when I feel like I'm actually done, Mm-hmm. That's when it'll be time to move on. But, yep. you know, I'm always got a lot left to learn and keep to, growing. We're always learning, always growing, always getting better. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, what's the point in showing up every single day? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, I, I just don't, I just don't know that that would be a fun life to live mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, you're, you're talking about your dad. Mm-hmm. Sounds like just an incredible man. One of the things I've seen, you know, I'm an elementary school teacher, mm-hmm. is parents trying to force their kids sometime to live out their dreams. <laughs> That's what I call it. You're forcing your kid to live yep. out your dreams. Who is this for? Is yep. it for you or is it for them? Yep. And um, it's and honestly, I'm not gonna lie, when you were telling me that you were brought up you know, in the theme park mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. I was thinking initially that, you know, you really didn't have another choice, mm-hmm. but, you know, for him to make sure you were ex- exposed mm-hmm. to what is out in the rest of the world, you know, make sure you are able to stand on your own two feet and make your mm-hmm. own choices. You know, yep. that just tells me right there, he was a phenomenal man. <laughs> he he knew he, he did a good job of raising us <laughs> that's a that's wonderful yeah. okay so looking back on your tenure at holiday world you all have done you know both as a family and you know since your dad passed away too there's been a lot of really phenomenal things happened at the park what would you say has been your greatest accomplishment at Holiday World? And why would you say it's your greatest accomplishment? Um, I probably would say Thunderbird. Um, that was something that, you know, we had to, I mean, for years, if you look at the history of the park, we had been doing um, kind of big impact, low investment type of projects, you know, um, water coasters are a great addition because they're a lot lower on capital than, you know, a giant steel roller coaster. And they still draw in a lot of people and, you know, people love our water park and it makes sense to keep adding to my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Um, but you know, it makes sense to keep adding to the water park. It's renowned. Um, people know it, they love it. Um, but for us, you know, we want to start getting back to holiday world and making that the dry park kind of stand on its own and Thunderbird, um, to me was also a way of kind of showing up for my dad, you know, building the thing that, you know, I'd ask for my birthday (laughs) or for my graduation from him. Um, but getting something like that, you know, um, it was a nice way to, to do that, but, um. I think it kind of signaled too that we were we we're going to be building a little less frequently, but we were going to be building um, very high quality, very themed, um, beautiful attractions. Um, and I just think the the process of that was huge. We'd never spent that much money on anything before. Um, it was awesome to see. Uh, the payoff, though, and still to this day, so many people say that Thunderbird is their favorite ride in the park, their favorite wing coaster, um, and it may not be every enthusiast's dream, but it, it's done wonders for us, and it helps kind of expand that that portfolio of the park of, well, they only have wooden coasters, and I don't ride wooden coasters, so I, I'm not going. Um, it helps us get around that, and of course, it just makes us um, just a little bit more families with team-friendly um but yeah that 
that was a huge undertaking. We had to commit to that um, right as I was graduating from college in 2013. Um, and we had to manage that budget very closely because we had never spent that much money. And I think we got that budget within like a thousand dollars. I mean, it was wow. That's awesome. I was not the budget really manager. Good. Our team, our team is incredible here. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of a, a cool thing to show ourselves that we could uh, not only build something, you know, is it the voyage, you know, a masterpiece of coasters, maybe not quite, but um, it is very good for what it is and what it was designed for, which was to be a coaster that was a little thrilling and a little family friendly. Um, yeah. I absolutely agree. I've ridden every wing coaster in the United States and Thunderbird is my favorite. And I can tell you last year, our executive producer, Andrew, he'll be accompanying me to Hollywood Nights this year. He, him and David were both able to come last year. And that was one of the, I guess they, you know, that was one of the white whales for him. <laughs> I've never gotten to ride Thunderbird. And it was closed. So he's really excited to come back oh, nice. this year and get awesome. to experience it because I've told him yeah. you know, what a great ride that it is. Mm -hmm. And um, speaking of Hollywood Nights, that kind of leads <laughs> us into my next question yeah. for you. And I thought this would be a great time to discuss it with the event <laughs> happening this weekend. Yeah. Tell me about the history of Hollywood Nights and I mean it could be really anything you want to discuss like you know who originally came up with the idea you know what was the first year of the event what are some of the different things been you know yeah. how, how has it evolved over the years um so Paula Warney our former communications director um she was in our director of PR at the time when the Raven opened in 95. And uh, we obviously had not had a major coaster in the park before. And the coaster enthusiast community kind of came out and we had, I believe an ACE event, possibly. I'm not, I'm not sure I recall exactly, but she just loved the energy. We all loved the energy um, when the enthusiasts came and they were like, we just such a great and energetic and fun crowd to have around the Paula went, we got to bring these people back. And so um, Stark Raven Mad started in 1996 um, and that ran for a while. Um, we started it down or stopped it for a little bit. And then in 2006, we brought it back when the voyage uh, opened because of course you got to have a coaster event when you're opening something like the voyage. Um, and so that's when it became Hollywood Nights and we started the, the movie themes um i actually we've had coast busters we've had claws for wildebeest claws i believe okay <laughs> um, we've had coasters of the corn um i love that one uh the wizard of oz lots of uh h's on that one the knights who say we we had airtime instead of airplane mm -hmm. all the dogs stay off instead of ferris bueller's stay off uh, my personal favorite was Track to the Future, just because Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies oh, of yes. all time. <laughs> uh, and we had your classic park as well. Wow. Now those are just a few. <laughs> um, are there any changes that you all have made for the event this year? or And are there any potential changes <laughs> you're thinking about making next year? Looking ahead. Yeah, so the event um in the last couple of years really started taking off um in size and so this last year we went ahead and added a, a capacity limit to it just because okay. it had gotten um of course thunderbird was down last year as well which yes. did not help um when you have four coasters and one of them is down and it's just kind of difficult to get a lot of people through in one night mm -hmm. um so we decided to limit it and kind of take it back to the size that it used to be um just about five or six years ago. Um, we're excited about that. We, we had an application process, um, mostly just with kind of a lottery system, but um, we had people fill something out. So that way it wasn't punishing people for uh, not having the fastest internet connection when they purchased their tickets um, okay. or for not being there at the exact moment. Um, we were hoping this would be a little more democratic. Um, 
but um, it's going to be a fun thing now. It's a two, full two-day event um, for mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday. Um, so our walk back actually moved to Friday. And uh, because we have fewer people, we're going to take everyone out to the Spaghetti Bowl at Voyage, which is going to be so much fun. It's been years since we were able to do that. Um, and yeah, we've got lots of other cool things. We've got a book signing. We just uh, released our 75th anniversary book. Um, and we've got all of the authors coming into town to sign the book nice. um, for the enthusiasts. And we'll have a public signing as well. But um, we're trying very hard to add some really cool new stuff. Um, and I think the food options are always incredible. But I think our food team is stepping up even more this year. So it's going to be a great year. That's one of the things I'm actually the most excited about for this year's <laughs> event is getting to get into the spaghetti bowl of voyage and another interesting thing to note my son he his career goal is he wants to do maintenance on coasters after he graduates high school and he's in a program at school you know where he has to earn hours Mm -hmm. his teacher actually came to our house the other day and we didn't realize you know these walk back tours and all of that count as experience you know towards you know what he wants to do yeah so we're going to be sending his teacher some pictures of him in the spaghetti bowl that's awesome you know that sort of thing you know he always you know is always very eager Mm -hmm. to ask you know questions and learn things Mm -hmm. but we did not realize that that's awesome the fun we're having can also you know contribute towards his hours in the program that he's completing in high school yeah, towards his cool. towards his career goal and i will well, say our, t- go ahead go ahead uh, our maintenance techs uh love to come out and participate as well so they kind of help us make sure everyone's staying on the path but they're also there to answer questions um so there's a ton of opportunity to talk to people who you know are actually doing the maintenance they can tell you about what it's like to rip up eight layers of track and replace it and um all the things about coasters and if there's any questions you have on those there's it people there's a little bit of everything um represented on the tour i'm glad you mentioned that because that actually does take me back to the uh raven walk back tour last year i remember they were back there mm-hmm. and they were talking to people and they were answering questions and that's not really mm-hmm. something i thought about until you mentioned <laughs> it so yep. i'll make sure and mention that to him He'll be very excited to hear that. And, you know, you were talking about last year, looking back in hindsight, you Mm -hmm. all handled that as best you could. I mean, it was, it was pretty much a, when it rains, it pours. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I commend you all on doing the absolute best that you could under the worst of possible circumstances and I realized the situation wasn't ideal but you know it was a it was a matter of swim or sink you all you all kept on swimming thank you yeah our our team was incredible they they helped us keep things together thank you thank you for that and um I'm really looking forward to experiencing the event at its finest because our first year going was 2020 you oh, know yep. social distancing mm-hmm. mask slower operations everything mm-hmm. and then last year with all of the mm-hmm. unfortunate things that, that occurred so I'm like mm-hmm. okay this year but I mean the good news is even under difficult circumstances each year I wanted to come back I yeah. haven't wanted to not, to hear it. I've yeah. not said horrible things about the park and, you know, not wanted to. Thank return. you. So <laughs> thank you. I'm very excited to see what the be I great guess, year. Cool Hollywood nights experience is like this year. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. So, you know, we've discussed pretty much at length, you've spent your entire life in some <laughs> facet or another involved with holiday world 
how would you say working at Holiday World or in the theme park industry in general has impacted your life, you know, maybe even outside of the park? Um, I think, well, I mean, it's impacted my life in the best possible ways. Um, first of all, every day we come home and, you know, we have a lot of stress with our jobs. Um, but at the end of the day, we get to do something that makes people happy. Um, and, you know, people can be having the best day of their life. They could be at the worst time of their life. They'll be having a great time. Um, and that, that means a lot to us. And that always helps us kind of gain perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's my life. Um, it makes me, makes me nice to service workers because I know what they go through. And anytime mm -hmm. I speak with customer service, I'm especially nice because I know that they go through a lot. Yes. Um, yes. but I mean, even in my personal life, I mean, my, I just got married in April and congratulations. I, my husband, thank you. Wonderful. Um, I met my husband here though. Um, and so we've, we're totally in and totally here to stay and run the park and take it in a new direction. But um, yeah, even, even my personal life is all about the park. And we, we talk a lot um, just at dinner about new mm -hmm. attractions and new things we could build. And it's mm -hmm. just a lot of fun to have someone who knows that and who also understands and shares that passion. Yes. Um, shares the dream with you. Exactly. And, you know, that's one of the things I can relate to, too, from my job as a teacher, mm -hmm. right. particularly, you know, on those those rough days. Mm -hmm. I work, you know, my, my school is at our city, Louisville, mm -hmm. and we, we have, a I think it's about a 98% free and reduced lunch poverty wow. level. Wow. Lots of, you know, trauma and things that mm -hmm. have occurred with many of the students in the school. And, you know, and on those hardest of days, I have to make myself sit down and think about, okay, here's the one thing that went wrong today, but what went right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it's really one thing for me, mm -hmm. a couple of things that went wrong. And it feels like that's what I spent my whole day doing. Yep. But what went right? I, you know, I relate to that a lot. Yep. Yeah. And when you start looking back at what went right, even on the worst days, there's been a whole lot more good happened than bad. It's Absolutely. all about perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that helps me to not burn out, you know, and reset and recharge and go back in the next day with a fresh mind and a clean slate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got it. You've got it. You've got to be able to go in and start over. Yep. Because but yeah, you, I mean, you go in every single day mm -hmm. carrying yesterday's mistakes or mishaps, you know, things you couldn't control. You're just going to get bogged down in a sea of negativity, and then absolutely. no one around you is going to benefit from that. Everyone's going to suffer right along with you. That's something I have to do quite a bit as well. <laughs> it can so, be easy to remember the negative comment and not remember the 20 positive ones around it. Absolutely. Especially <laughs> when it gets spread all over social media or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, let's absolutely. look at all the good that's happening here. Exactly. Because ge generally it's the minority that mm -hmm. tend to respond like that. But it can yep. feel like it represents the majority and it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. So we've talked a lot just about you know, your experience, all the things you've done at Holiday World and, um, you know, impact it's had on your life, way that, mm -hmm. you know, it's affected other people. If you could give our listeners any type of advice, and I mean, this can be advice for anything <laughs> you know maybe they're one you know maybe they're maybe they're facing a fear they want to overcome maybe they're thinking about you know a new chapter in life you said you just got married maybe they're thinking about starting a new job going to college what advice could you give to our listeners about you know just life in general oh let me 
think. I mean, flexibility to me has always been kind of a, a theme that reoccurs in my life constantly. Um, I think you need to, you know, remember that things change for the better, for the worse. Um, and you can change one thing and that's how you handle it, how you respond to it. Everything else is out of your control. Um, I'm still finding it as I'm talking, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I have to remind myself often that things are going to happen. People are going to say things. Um, you're going to feel things. The only thing you can change is yourself. You can't control anyone else <laughs> what they're going to say. But, yes. But yeah, I mean, you can change the way you view things. Like we were just discussing, you know, you got to remind yourself of the 20 positive comments and not the one negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then in general, my advice is always uh, be kind to, to uh, service workers anywhere you go. Um, it just makes the world a better place. It absolutely does. <laughs> I can totally get that working you know, with the public mm-hmm. and parents and that sort of things. Teachers are constantly under the radar these days for mm-hmm. a number of different things. And you sound like a carbon copy of me because <laughs> I've said it a thousand different times. And it's been said to me mm-hmm. so many times by, you know, educators that I've learned how to become a better educator from. We can't change the kids. We can't mm-hmm. change where they come from can't change the parents whether they're involved or not involved whether they've been taught anything at all we can't change any of that no the only thing you can control is yourself and your response to what is happening around you and that's not you know just in the classroom that's Mm -hmm. all day every day everywhere for everybody yep I'm lucky that I have a coach, like a, a corporate coach that helps me. And we work a lot on mental toughness because I'm definitely a person who can be, um, like I said, very caught off by one failure, one little yeah. thing that goes wrong. Yeah. And uh, I, I read an article that said that the, the most successful people and the most, the people of the most quote unquote mental toughness are the people who view it, view um, a failure as a challenge or as a lesson to learn. And they say, okay, I won't be doing that next time. And now I need to learn to move on. Um, And so that really helped me, you know, reframe things as a challenge. I know it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. Some things are very, very large and, you know, you can't just reframe it. But for those small failures, reframing helps a lot and just say, this is a lesson I learned. Mm -hmm. I definitely won't make that mistake again. And now we're going to move on. That's one of the things. It's definitely a work in progress still for me sometimes (laughs) I have found that the best the best of the best in any field are always their own worst critics Mm -hmm. and it's still you know it's taken me time Mm -hmm. and I'm very open to it now but it still hurts my feelings sometimes (laughs) and I hear something Mm -hmm. that I'm doing that needs to be better yep I'm all into hearing the good stuff. And then when I start to hear the stuff I need to work on, but as the perfectionist that I am, I'm one of those things. I'm one one of those people of, okay, I did this once. That was a mistake. Twice. It's not a mistake. That's your fault. Mm -hmm. So I will get doubly doubly on it, you know, to to turn it around and fix that immediately so mm-hmm. it doesn't happen again exactly that, that's become one of the things that my administrators actually appreciate the most about me but at the mm-hmm. same time in those moments I will get so upset with myself mm-hmm. yep I'm with you yep 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 <laughs> and then I'll look back on it and I'm like just relax you're learning mm-hmm. you're growing because if you don't if you're not challenging yourself, you're not stepping out of the box, you're not learning and you're not growing, why are you here? Mm-hmm. This is the year 2022. Yep. The world is not the same. It's not going to be the same next year. You know, you're nope. going to have yep. to learn and you're, you're going to have to evolve and grow and with it. Yep. Yep. Or you're not, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> 
successfully to retirement. And the last thing I want to be is, you know, old and burnt out and making people miserable. Mm-hmm. I want to be happy and I want to make other people happy around me. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So our final question <laughs> is where can people find you? Where can you be found on the internet? Where can you be found on social media if people would like to learn more about the one and only Leah Cook? <laughs> um, I don't have any public facing social media platforms right now, um, but the, the Holiday World social media channels were at Holiday World pretty much everywhere. Um, they can find me there. Um, from time to time, I'm behind the scenes on that. And uh, when I'm not, people can get me the message. Um, and then, of course, you can listen to us on the Holiday World podcast that comes out every other week. Okay. And I know one of the ways I was able to contact you is right through the park, through Facebook Messenger. Yep. Your park does a fantastic job <laughs> with communication. Mm-hmm. And I was very appreciative. I'm like, I really hope <laughs> I'm not getting on their nerves uh, <laughs> trying to reach out and connect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, they've been very patient, you know, with me and mm-hmm. with our podcast, trying to get this interview set up and scheduled, which I very much appreciate. <laughs> so well, we appreciate your flexibility. <laughs> that's a little plug for me. If you. Yep. <laughs> reach Leah for some reason reach out through Facebook Messenger Holiday World does a fantastic job of responding so I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me thank you. and join us on the podcast today I really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know Same. you thank yeah. you so much thank you thanks for having me if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today. Coaster Challenge.